guys it is episode 15 of the official kraus house podcast i got commodore here per usual we wanted to go over a few things today commodore how are you feeling feeling pretty good i almost yelled out bucks and six and i just i wonder how many days weeks months and years or decades am i allowed to yell that out no until i see you got about another month till the season starts so get them out get it out while you can wait so you're saying during next season i can't yell out bucks and six Absolutely not. They're the defending champions. I disagree. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm giving you our time. Yeah, no, but you, you have until the next champion is crowned. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Bucks and six. Get it all out. You're going to start every podcast with Bucks and Probably. Six. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. listeners. Yeah. So this episode, we want to do the state of the house and just give you guys an update of all the things that are going on in Kraus House. And this one's actually really meaty and exciting. So we're excited to go through the details on that. One thing to note, circle your calendars, Monday the 13th at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern, we are going to do our next season's kickoff. We're going to go through what we learned from the last season. We're going to talk about what we're looking forward to the next season. And it's just going to be a really great moment. If you've been following along, want to get involved, if you've been an OG member and you're just wanting to you know, be a part of the process, we'd love for you to join the audio room. It's going to be in our Discord channel. Again, that's Monday the 13th at 5 p.m. Pacific, and we're going to kick that next season off. Yeah, I'm excited. Preseason went uh, swimmingly. We had a few things outlined that we've mentioned before and placed in the announcements, but it's really difficult to do to meet deadlines in general. So really proud of the team to meet all the deadlines and deliverables that that we put forth on time, all doing this kind of in our our free time and and sweat equity mode. Super impressive. And thanks for everyone who's involved. There's quite a, became quite a lengthy list of people that contributed to preseason other than just the leads. We'll definitely have a chance to shout those guys out in the season one kickoff. So thanks for everyone who helped out. Thank you guys. All right. So how should we, uh, how should we kick this off? There's some big news in the, in the Rumble Kong arena. Yeah. So I would love Rumble Kong is the headline here. It's taken a lot of energy, but I think it's also one of those things that once you get it up and rolling, it's actually, it's it's such a fascinating thing, but why don't you talk a little bit about your play to earn thesis and then let's bring Rumble Kong into why that makes sense. Yeah, sure. So I've alluded to this maybe on prior, prior podcasts, but I'd say about the past month or so I have this. Uh, growing feeling that play to earn sports is going to be a really massive industry. If you see what companies like Parallel and, and Axie have done, and now even more recently, which I think in their Discord, they're working out some play to earn mechanics for some of the games that are being developed for loot. I think sports has a huge opportunity in mainstream culture to to possibly bring some non-crypto native people in. And so if you apply the same logic to more of the the, the gaming world, I think, uh, or traditional gaming world, I should say, and pl- apply it to play to earn sports. I think there's a massive opportunity. I've been looking at Rumble Kongs for a while. In fact, I can't remember who showed it, but someone in Kraushaus sent it. I think it was in the den in a, more of a general chat. Always thought it was kind of interesting. And I thought that it was a, a nice fit and probably a very good first step into the play to earn sports 
uh, arena. Yeah, I think that's what kind of attracted me to it. And and yeah, we made some moves in that space in Krausehouse. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that I, I totally agree with Flex's view of play to earn. And I think this idea of the sports niche is, niche is probably a bad word. It's probably going to be a primary component of what works uh, in this space. And so I just think there's obviously so many synergies with what's going to happen. And Flex and I started talking about the Rumble Kong kind of world as it fits into that. And we started talking about what if we started, what if we bought our own little team and maybe you want to take us into how Rumble Kong fits into all that. Yeah, sure. So Commodore and I actually bought uh, together and so I bought two kind of near the floor and then Commodore bought one for a similar amount. And we thought, hey, like, I, I imagine that some other people in Krausehouse might want to be yeah, involved in this. So we could quickly did a quick survey in the, in the announcement channel, got some over overwhelmingly like good response from that. I think there was maybe like 35 or 36 people that, that showed interest, which is great. We spun up a quick channel and said, Hey, look, here's why we think rumble Kong is going to be uh, amazing. We linked the, the white paper. Maybe we can get into some of the features that they're thinking yeah, out to, to get us excited. Yeah. And then, so we quickly said, hey, whoever wants in, let's do it. We set a minimum at 0.5 ETH, a lot of good discourse, some questions popping out exactly how it would work. But at the end of the day, proud to announce, I think maybe within 48 hours or so, we raised 21 or 22 ETH, I think, to yep. actually go go and do this. Working really closely with with JD, shout out to JD. He quickly spun up a, a Kong scraper, which is which was uh, amazing, and then even parlayed that into a, a web app. And that's been my my general manager scouting tool over the past couple of days as we try to look uh, to acquire some of these. Big shout out to to JD there. Yeah, we we made it happen. So now there's a limited partners channel, and we're talking about Kongs all day, every day. So it was really exciting, and uh, and uh, we got it done. So. Thank you for everyone who's contributing. We'll probably list a full list of limited partners here somewhere. But yeah, it was an awesome event and the turnaround was insanely fast to actually go do that. And we're on our way. Yeah, it's it's really awesome to see everyone involved in it and this idea of a sub DAO really coming to fruition and being able to move quickly on it. And I think the Krause House members are such a great intersection to think about play to earn sports, specifically, specifically basketball, which is the Rumble Kong framework that they're using. Because we all love basketball. We understand it intuitively. We're probably the highest collection of collective intelligence around the blend of basketball and crypto, probably in the world and concentrated in this way. And so we think that we have a unique advantage of tapping into the talent and the insights of our community and apply it to the game of Rumble Kong due to that overlap of that Venn diagram. And I think it's so interesting and powerful as a sub DAO within Krausehaus um, for a few different reasons. You might say, why not just open something new and make it a little collector DAO and buy some Rumble Kongs and go off to the races. But the play to earn component is so important because one step one is acquiring the assets. Step two is deploying, managing, and actually using it within in this game world. And I think that's the piece that Krausehouse has such a unique opportunity to be a partner in. So the proposal I put forth to both the Kong Fund One and Krausehouse members was basically a token swap. And we're pre, <laughs> we're off chain still, so we're pre-token launch. But it was basically saying like, this is a, an IOU of once we launch at this valuation, here's the swap. But the powerful piece of this is that now Kong Fund One has Krauss House, Krauss tokens, 
to incentivize people to participate, manage, coach, scout, be involved in the actual asset management of the pieces we put together. And what's so powerful about that is now you have a positive feedback loop between the two uh, communities. You can go to the Krauss world and say, hey guys, we basically have what I like to call test net, but this test space of us managing and operating uh, an asset that actually participates in this game world. And the best talent within Krauss that's interested in this, of course, can work through a process that we can gamify and make meritocracy driven contests to get those people and be able to deploy them against the play to earn assets that we have within the RumbleCon fund. And then you get to go to the LPs of the Kong fund and you allow the world's most talented people to actually use those. And now we have a token swap to make the financial incentives work. So one step back from this, I think this is one of the most magical, powerful things about crypto broadly is that we're able to essentially create these incentive structures by not necessarily having to bring everything back into USD all the time to say, well, okay, I pay you X to do Y and then you do all these things. But there's plenty of capitalist benefit from this. But that token swap to make these two communities swap incentive structures, or at least partially, I think that's the insane part about what Kraushaus and the overlap of this Kong fund allow us to do. And that to me is really exciting. And so I think we have a lot of interesting experimentation space that we just massively opened up really on both sides that we can really do a lot of really cool, innovative things. And I'm just so excited to, to go down this journey with the broader community. Yeah, super interesting. There's a micro economy that could exist within Krauss between the token swaps and a lot of parallels that we've been approached a, a few times, right? When a lot, the number one question we always get is around general management. I think that's the most exciting thing about ownership. And this is a good way to flex those muscles, for lack of a better term, and actually participate. But you're right. There's a nice balance between, specifically for crypto, between the progressivism and capitalism. Like you can come into Krauss earn your token, doesn't have to be all USD. You could probably swap your your kraus rumble token whatever you know to be named later for kraus and and back and forth and i think that just provides a really interesting dynamic around our, our community anyway and one thing i want to ask are there any based on this this structure and as the entire ecosystem is trying to figure out dow mechanics broadly are there any concerns or causes for concern for setting something up like that like what are the challenges that we face by doing by like a sub dow structure yeah, I think that the way that we structured this was we had to set a valuation on the Kraus, which was really complicated, but pegged that back to one ETH. And then we brought the one ETH position as a pro rata into the fund. You'll see other projects, for example, say, hey, we're going to launch this and we're going to give 5% back to the community. And I think that's actually really tricky. You're solving some problems up front by keeping the math really simple, but I think you're actually adding a bunch of complexity down the road that I felt was not fair to both communities because now you have a little bit of this variable and now you have to kind of orient around this third element within the thing. So I think the, the, the downsides of doing it in the way that we did it is that we had to set, we had to do some work up front. That work due to the time that we're uh, at, and I mentioned this is like the benefit of safe note, it solved a lot of the challenges of figuring evaluation and making, you know, making all these things in the web two space. We had to effectively do that, which is there's messy and there's risk obviously in getting that number too high, too low, whatever it may be. But we effectively signed up for that work, which was a downside. The accuracy of that number is also a potential downside. But 
I think that once you get past that, now you have a really simple exchange mechanism between the two things. And so the, the basically the risk profile that Krausehouse signed up for was to say, we just gave them a bunch of tokens that we don't know the exact value today because we're not liquid. So we're gonna do our best guess. And that token could be worth a lot more or it could be a lot less and vice versa. The fund took on one ETH worth of value and that token could be effectively worthless, fast forward a year, or it could be worth a ton. And so now all of a sudden they actually have a, an abundance of token because the, the valuation wasn't the properly balanced as an example. So I think that's the downside was that valuation, fast forward five years might be way too high, might be way too low. And we just really don't know until both of these sort of, they're both wild experiments. So you have this element where if both experiments work well, and then they have this overlap, you get a bit of a compound benefit to both worlds. That's the really exciting part. But if one is a catastrophic failure, then the other one is impacted. But each is mitigated depending on that allocation. And so in this case, if Krauss, for example, is complete utter failure, the fund is only you know, subjected to 4% risk against the total fund. So it's not that much. And then vice versa, if the fund's a complete collapse, uh, Krauss is really not particularly impacted. In fact, their token value probably goes up a bit because presumably they exhausted the Krauss that they had and, you know, it's just re reduction in supply. So I think it's complicated up front. That's the downside. And then the, the, that complicated work, depending on where that valuation lands, is better or worse in different scenarios. But again, the, I think the value here is you're betting on both being amazing. And if that happens, that's really the upside I would explain to anyone involved in both. That's the, the upside is both working that we just, we lifted our uh, ceiling even higher. Yeah. Do you sense that there's any, there's some asset allocation and risk mitigation piece to this too, that is actually beneficial? Meaning that yeah. if you can tie a bunch of different sub DAOs back and then if one of them, if one of them uh, tanks or fails or whatever, which is likely bound to happen if you have several, that kind of, it, rather than just having one pool of Kraus, is that, do you envision that kind of diversification being beneficial in the long run? Yeah, I think it's as uh, it Cooper, he has something like 80 DAOs or something like that. It's like he, the guy's basically a walking index fund of social DAOs and like what a portfolio to own because who knows if, you know, which individual one will succeed, but you know, his diver diversification is immense. I think you have a little mini slice of that and end up one within now the Kraus house thing, because now when you are buying a little bit of Kraus, you actually know that there's some value tied back into this mini fund. Maybe there's a whole portfolio of these funds in the future, but you have some carry into that. So on one hand, that makes things a little bit more complicated. On the other hand, you're totally right. There is now a little bit of diversification. And the, the conversation we didn't have much in the Kong fund world is that that an ETH into that investment portfolio now has some carry just in, in broad Kraus. And so there's a world in which this Kong Fund One, let's just say it appreciates from roughly $100,000 today to $100 million. There's a bunch of Kraus tucked in there that is worth a ton of money now. And so that's, yeah. again, the symbiotic relationship is the fund is going to get an increased return because of that. But also Kraus now, you know, you should probably buy some Kraus because, oh, by the way, this fund, when it liquidates, has, what would that be, $5 million position in Krauss coming back its way or an ETH converted back into Krauss. That's really powerful. Yeah, it's super interesting. Like I've been operating under this thesis for a long time and that uh, social DAOs, popular social DAOs will evolve into these meta DAOs, right? Which is 
Uh, and you're already seeing that with friends with benefits where it's more than a social club now, like they're vertically integrating across their entire product line. Like they're launching an NFT gallery, right? On their own and not necessarily directly competing with something like OpenSea, but if you wanted to buy friends with benefits, NFT produced by a friends with benefits member, you would go to the friends with benefits, NFT gallery. So I guess my thought is that, are you possibly envisioning that something like Krause house could launch its own products? You could create their own NFTs. You could have a bunch of different uh, verticals within, have their own collection DAO, maybe even physical assets like sports memorabilia and things like that. And that as you diversify across all those assets, that it's actually more beneficial because you are basically running a crypto sports index fund. And if you have the underlying Krauss asset, then you are a, like by, by, by the distributive property, you, by owning Krauss, you are diversifying across all these different verticals. Yeah, I think that's certainly a path. And then the, the, the path against that, or the, rec the cynical view of that is that it's mm -hmm. too distractive and that you're going to, perhaps Friends with Benefits should exactly only be a social club. And that's where focusing and understanding that and doubling down on that is the kind of product market fit that they should triple down on and scale. Everything else is a distraction that inevitably is taking talent and resources away from the thing that is piercing the market. Not saying that's the case, I'm just saying that's a cynical view of that. And I think that Crosshouse would have that same thing, which is to say, Hey, if we think the, the highest upside is in acquiring a majority position in the NBA team and we do anything um, to do that, is that it's an argument that you lose that focus and you lose that piercing the product market fit. I think in Krausehaus's example, and I, I won't speak to Friends of Benefits as I'm not a member there, I think Krausehaus, we've identified like, hey, this is going to take a little bit of time. We're going to have to build up trust, not only trust from the community, but trust from any ownership groups. So what's that path look like? And for us, it's really around building community, building trust and reputation to say, hey, we are a reputable thing. DAOs are a reputable concept. And we're going to be able to ideally move towards a minority ownership position and then into a majority ownership position. So then the question becomes, is what do we, how do we demonstrate reputation and trust now to get ourselves in that position? And I would argue some of those things hit totally on, on strategy and some of those less, so, you know, as you listed out some potential verticals of the space. So I think as we figure it out, that's certainly a path that, that we could look at. And Krauss would certainly benefit from the token, from a pure tokenomics perspective, would probably benefit from the diversification. Yeah. So I got to put out a little disclaimer because sometimes I like to have these conversations as just pure ideation sessions. And I think sometimes like I've had, we've had people DM be like, Hey, please don't do that. <laughs> things like, hey, it was, these are not hard and fast ideas. We are, you are purely Commodore and I do that, do this offline. This is basically just building in public and we're not advocating for either one of these. These are all things that we are just experimenting with mentally. Right. Yeah. I think you're right. I think you're, I think you're mostly right, but I think DAOs or at least the idealistic view of DAOs fundamentally changes that. I think web two thinking is like, Hey, we have a product to build and we have to make this product. So if you are in the healthcare space and you're building something in, in healthcare tech and you decide to all of a sudden make a physical product to sell to doctors, that could totally be distracting. But the beauty of DAOs, because they're so liquid and anyone can join at any time, I think that someone coming in with a course skill set, let's say NFT, someone from PartyBit comes on and says, like, hey, I want to build software that helps Krausehaus invest across a bunch of different sports NFTs and play to earn sports, boom. And that's all that they want to do. I think that having those meta DAOs isn't necessarily distracting 
because you could possibly, you should probably come in and, and really devote time and effort to those things and earn Kraus or, or earn compensation for doing that. And because at one point you could have thousands of people all working on different things and completely in their silos, I don't know how big of a distraction would it be. I guess my question back to you is, is, is that logic still apply to DAOs as this form of distraction because the nature of DAOs is so liquid, yeah, right? I, Did you see? still have that same problem. I think you, you do bring up a really interesting point, which is the traditional organizations. It's like, we're going to, we're going to hire a hundred engineers and the average engineer is going to make $150,000. And so we need X amount of dollars set aside. And we're going to go deploy that by hiring them in the Dow world. It's a bit backwards, which is, Hey, here's our mission. Here's our vision. Here's our culture. Who wants to join this? You might have the world's if Picasso joined Krauss house, is it a distraction to commission Picasso MBA paintings. It's like, I don't know, but we're going to fucking do it because it's Picasso and we're going to talent came right. to us. And so how do we take the talent and apply it to our long-term vision to get publicity, be able to drive hype, drive treasury and be able to achieve our mission? I think you're right. It's a bit like lean manufacturing where we're, we're almost pulling backwards. We're saying, here's the talent we have. How can we move those Lego pieces around to go do things? It's a compelling argument. I don't know if you're right, but it's certainly, it's worth exploring. And I think that's part of the broad, fun experiment of DAOs to, to find out. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I do need to run. And, but I do, I want, I want to ask you a little bit of how do you think about future investments? Do you feel like this is, is it Rumble Kong one, Rumble Kong two funds, or should we think about exploring the other play to earn stuff? Like, how are you thinking about this broadly? It's, it's funny you ask. I was thinking about this last night and everything, all my ideas were exactly how an institutional investor would think about it. And I don't know if that's the right way. So I'm very torn, right? Are those, is that one of those things that's a proven model or is it something that we could fundamentally switch up because we are in the web three crypto space? How I originally thought about it and not saying this is right is you would do something. I have a traditional finance background. So you would have something where you would have funds that were high growth or, or value or specifically REITs. And so I think depending. The short answer is probably TBD. You know, you could spin up technically four Rumble Kong funds, or you could spin up a, and a play to earn sports floor fund, right? Where we only invest in floor assets across multiple of different play to earn sports. Because yeah. our thesis there is that we are going to buy up floor, hope each one goes three, four X, and then flip them back. Another one is saying, hey, we might have funds, a fund where we raise a hundred ETH and buy two assets because those are the most valuable, they're the most rare, and they're the next board ape, and they can each return millions of dollars for the fund. I think all that just has to come down to our, our thesis and our strategy. We saw one pop up, I think yesterday, it might be a few days, I ran across it yesterday, but with rookies, right? That's loot for sports. It's just mm -hmm. text, text files with attributes and hey, you guys go make the game. Okay, cool. What do we do about the floor is relatively low. Should we go buy 50 of them? Right. Or should we wait until we hop on their discord and people are actually start making games and, and go do that. So it's an interesting question, but it's probably too early to say. I think no matter what, we have a really interesting basis. The, the community's been popping off. Steph Curry ended up buying uh, a bunch of them. So the communities certainly pop in and a shout out to Flex for identifying this opportunity and feel like we're in a really great spot to learn a lot and experiment a bunch and go from there. But we got to run. Thank you, everyone. And we hope to see you at the kickoff. Again, that's Monday at 5 p.m. Pacific, Monday the 13th. We'll see you guys there. Later.